Good morning. So glad to have you here this morning, uh, partly because of what we're talking about today. Uh, some of you are, um, I've known for a long time, and, and you're really genuinely a part of uh, my community, and, and thank you for that. Uh, others of you, um, I'm just getting to know, and I hope that we can uh, circle into that again because of what we're talking about today. I'm also mindful today of uh, what a privilege it is for us to be here. Uh, I read this week uh, a couple of things. I don't know if you saw this, but um, there was a stampede at a church in Liberia. Uh, a couple of robbers from a local gang came in, created a stampede in the church, and uh, 29 people lost their lives. And then I get this uh, report once a week from what's happening with Christians around the world. And, and I was really struck by one of these on October 31st of last year in the fall. Uh, Hindu fanatics barged into Pastor Arjun's church building, threatening the pastor and chased members of the congregation away. The police arrived, but instead of controlling the situation, they began beating the pastor and his wife and uh, uh, put them in jail. And I think they still are today. And... Um, there's a really good chance that neither of those things will happen this morning for us. And, you know, we've just got, we've got a lot to be thankful for. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and thank you. Father, thank you for this space. Thank you for the privilege, the ease with which we come into your presence. And we take that for granted. And for a moment this morning, Lord, we don't. And we join our hearts with the hearts of our brothers and sisters around the world who are being threatened and who are suffering uh, for the sake of the name of Jesus. Uh, we stand with them and we pray that you would strengthen them, that you would comfort them, and that you would protect them, that they would sense your presence palpably. We ask all of that in the strong name of Christ our Lord we pray. Amen. So John Ritson is the world record holder in slacklining, and slacklining is uh, walking a tightrope, you know, with, one, with a slack line. Uh, the longest walk he ever attempted was 500 yards across the Cheddar Gorge in England, and halfway across, uh, Ritson lost his balance and fell. He was uh, saved because he was tethered to a line above him, uh, as he was walking, had he not been, he would have fallen hundreds of feet to his death. Uh, many times in our lives, we lose our balance, sometimes with dire consequences. So how do we keep our balance? Well, we're, we're doing three weeks on spiritual balance. And last week, let me review, we started, we said spiritual balance is the key to building and maintaining overall life balance. So you're not going to consistently distribute your time well or wisely, and you're not going to maintain emotional equilibrium unless you're building spiritual balance. Then we offered a well-used, time-tested model for achieving spiritual balance. We compared it to a tripod, and we said to have spiritual balance, we have to live lives that are growing up toward God in worship, in toward God's people and community, and out toward the world in service. And yes, we're going to be goofy. I want you to do that with me. Up toward the world in service, in toward God's people and community, and out toward the world in service. And not everybody did it, so we're going to do it again. Up toward the world, up toward God in worship, 
in toward God's people and community, and out toward the world in service. And last week, we talked about growing up toward God in worship. We looked at Isaiah 26, and we, we recognize that there are three prerequisites for growing up toward God in worship. Firstly, we must acknowledge our need for God. You know, relating to God is hard. I mean, it's relating to some of you is hard. God is much harder, uh, honestly. And we won't do it unless we recognize how profoundly we need him. Acknowledge my need for God. Secondly, we must cultivate our love for God. Thirdly, we must discipline, we must train our hearts to, to turn toward him, to discipline our thinking in his direction. We also recognize that we won't do these things unless there are specific practical habits and practices in our lives that promote growth in these areas. And we recognize that there are two time-tested, well-used life habits that help us grow up toward God in worship. The first one is using my resources with wisdom and purpose. That might be budgeting, or it might be tightening the budget, or it might be using more of the budget to give away. We're figuring out, we're growing in our ability to use our resources. Our stuff doesn't use us. Our time doesn't run us. We're growing in our ability to use our resources with wisdom and purpose. And the second is practice a creative devotion. I have a devotional practice in my life almost every day, morning and sometimes at night, where I'm trying to train my heart toward God. And it almost always involves uh, Bible and prayer. Practice creative devotion. Big, uh, big pause. So today, we need to take up the second leg of our spiritual tripod. We need to talk about growing in toward God's people in community. All right, if you miss everything else, don't miss this. Growing in toward God's people in community is a first-order priority. It is an absolute necessity if I'm going to experience spiritual balance. Going in toward God's people is an absolute necessity if I'm going to experience spiritual balance. I like the way Eugene Peterson put it. He said, there can be no maturity in the spiritual life, no obedience in following Christ, no wholeness in the Christian life apart from an immersion in and an embrace of community. I love this. He said, I am not myself by myself. Okay, to fill out this idea, we're going we're gonna to do a little bit of it. We usually just hunker down on one passage and see what God has to say to us. But this morning... We're going to look at three different passages across the scope of the New Testament just to give us an idea, and we could do this all day, but to give us an idea of how comprehensive this idea is. So first, we're going to look at Galatians 6, 9, and 10. And this is the Apostle Paul. This is the only time we'll do this today. But for now, let's go old school and stand out of reverence for God's Word. Galatians 6, 9, and 10. And I'm going to read off the screen because we're doing three different passages quickly. So this is Galatians 6. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper, at just the right time, we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. Some of you need to hear that today. Therefore, and this is what we need to underline, as we have opportunity, let's do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Did you notice that? You may be seated. Now, I love the encouragement not to become weary here because doing good can just be wearisome. You know the old adage, no good deed goes unpunished, and sometimes it feels that way. But more importantly for our purposes today, look at what he says about, uh, about doing good. 
If you're not familiar with this passage, uh, you might have expected it to say something like this. Let's do good to all people, especially to those people in need. But no. He says, let's do good to all, especially to those who belong to the family of faith. And, and this verse reflects the consistently high priority that God places on us connecting with one another and serving one another. I've talked about this before, but it's math. If I am serving myself, if I'm taking care of myself, there's one person looking after me. There's one person praying for me when I'm sick. There's one person looking out for opportunities for me when I've lost my job. There's one person nurturing me. There's one person checking up on me and saying, how are you doing with Diane? Because the last time you weren't doing so good. But if, I, if I'm in a close-knit community of 50 people, there are 50 people looking out for my needs. There are 50 people looking for opportunities for me when I'm outside of a job. And there are 50 people, that bad habit you've got, Ed, uh, how do I help you stop it? Because this can't keep going. This verse reflects the consistently high priority that God places on us connecting and serving one another. Second passage. We'll go to Jesus now. Matthew 12, 46 through 50. And this is pretty striking. Listen to this. While Jesus was still out uh, talking to the crowd, his mother and brothers stood outside wanting to speak to him. Someone told him, your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to speak to you. He replied to this person, who is my mother and who are my brothers? And then pointing to his disciples, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Now Jesus is not saying, don't love your family. He's not saying, don't make your family a priority. He's saying that he has such a close connection with those who are connecting with God alongside him, that they are like his family. Follow the evidence related to this. Jesus trained us to call God what? Father. And the first followers of Jesus consistently called one another what? Brother and sister. These relationships are our top priority. When I was a young man, I was going through a period of time when I was uh, struggling with, you know, my family. And those of you who know my son Jordan, you can understand why. And I, I once had someone, a good friend, startle me uh, with the advice uh, reminding me that the most important aspect of my relationship with my kids is that they were my brothers in, my brothers in Christ. Not that they're my children, but the most important aspect of my relationship with them is that they're my brother in Christ. The Bible consistently reminds us that growing in toward God's people and community is a first-order priority. This is not an add-on. This is not a third-tier priority. Oh, it's a good thing if I've got, you know, some good friends. It's first-order priority. And, and if we want to build and maintain spiritual balance, we must invest in growing up toward God's people. If we want to main, build and maintain spiritual balance, we must invest in growing up toward God's people. And why do I say invest? Well, when I was nine years old, my best friend was a, a kid named Stevie Renfro. What qualified Stevie Renfro to be my best friend? Well, he lived near me. He was in my class in school. He loved sports, and he owned a walkie-talkie set, and he gave me one of them. And at night, he could be in the corner of his house, and I could be in my bedroom, and we could talk to one another. It wasn't complicated. It didn't take any real investment. It just happened. Stevie and I just hung out. I'm not nine anymore. 
And life is very complicated. Community requires investment. I have to choose it. And I'm, I must choose it if I'm going to have spiritual balance. That's why we spend so much time at Gateway talking about small groups. From the very beginning of the Jesus movement, his followers met together in small group settings to care for one another, to love one another, to teach one another, to exhort one another, to correct one another, to encourage one another. As I've said many times here at Gateway, you need a spiritual posse. And according to Jesus, that posse is so important, it becomes like our family. Well, let's say even more about that idea. Mark 3, 13 and 14. Again, Jesus, this is very early in his ministry. I want you to see this. Jesus went up on a mountainside and called to him those he wanted, and they came to him. He appointed 12 that they, that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach. We do this exercise uh, every now and then at Gateway uh, a couple of times a year. We offer what, what we call a community study, and it is a 10-week, pretty intense contemplation of this stuff. We do a much more thorough dive into the scriptures at large, talk about what it means, what it means for our lives. We try to make some practical applications. But one of the things, when we're covering this passage, one of the things that we do is we ask, you know, we try to beat a dead horse. So we ask you, when you look at this passage, to respond in this way. Pete, go to the next slide. We say, uh, check the following statements which are true based on Mark 3, 13, and 14. Again, to beat a dead horse. Jesus did not care who followed him. Jesus chose his followers carefully. Jesus had a clear purpose behind what he did. Jesus seemed to act haphazardly without intention. And if you're following the bouncing ball, you should be checking the second and the third box, right? From this passage, we get the clear picture that Jesus was very, very purposeful about starting a small group and, and, and with these followers and that this was a critical part of his ministry. Look, he chose them. Have you ever considered, in fact, that the most significant part of Jesus' life and ministry might be the development of a small group? He, in fact, he trusted the future of his movement entirely to this group. And as his ministry developed, he spent more time, not less, with this small group. You may know a passage in, in John 13, it's verses 34 and 35, where Jesus told his followers what the marks of following him were. He said, you know, people around us will know as we go places, as you go places, people will know that you're my follower because not by the, how much Bible they knew, not by their strict adherence to the law, no, he said, they'll know you're my followers by your love for one another. Growing in toward God's people and community is a first order priority if we're going to have spiritual balance in our lives. It's not an add-on. It's not a pretty important side note. Oh, really important side note. It's a first order priority. Again, that's why we spend so much time at Gateway talking about small groups. Your spiritual balance depends, at least in part, on the strength of your spiritual posse. Summary, you cannot have spiritual balance without growing in toward God's people and community. And that growth takes investment. It takes practice. If you're a football fan, you may not be, but if you're an American football fan, uh, this is a great time of year. This is the NFL playoffs. And as you're watching the playoffs, if you do watch any football, I want you to notice that 
every play, every time they snap the ball, every time, there are 11 guys on offense, 11 guys on defense who are working a very complicated, well-orchestrated plan towards something very specific. It might be trying to gain three yards or trying to stop someone from gaining three yards. It might be trying to gain seven yards. It might be trying to go downfield 15 yards or 35 yards. Every play has a very, very specific and complicated purpose on both sides of the ball. And when you get to the NFL level, they tell us that oftentimes, you know, there are three, sometimes as many as five wide receivers who are going out for passes from a quarterback. And sometimes each of those wide receivers makes a decision after they leave the line of scrimmage, after the ball is snapped, about which direction they'll go, depending on how the defense plays them. Sometimes they'll break it out. Sometimes they'll break it in. Sometimes they stop, or they may even break it long. And it depends on how the defender is playing them and what defense they're facing. And they are making those decisions. And behind the line of scrimmage is a quarterback with people trying to tear his head off, watching them make that decisions, all, those decisions, also making decisions himself. And they've got to be on the same page at the same time. That's why you sometimes end up with interceptions. You watch a quarterback throw the ball and you think, boneheaded, why did you throw the, ball, throw the ball there? Well, he read the defense differently. He thought that receiver was going to stop right where he was, and instead he broke it out. He threw it right where he thought the receiver was going to be because these guys are so fast. They can't wait until they're there and then throw it. The defender will intercept it. They have to throw it before they get there. So he's anticipating what the receiver is going to do. It's really complicated. How in the world do they pull that off? Practice, 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 investment, investment. You'll never make the right decision when you're in game time and the defense is coming against you. You'll never make the right decision and it'll never be coordinated unless you've practiced that thing 10,000 times. And when you're at the toughest point in your life, it's too late at that point to say, oh, wait, 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 I should have community. You have to invest so that when you get to that point of difficulty, it's there. You don't have to think about it. It's there. Spiritual balance depends on the strength of your posse. I've had bad habits in my life, believe it or not, some really bad habits in my life that would have never been overcome, and they would have hampered me some cases hampered my marriage had it not been for the strength of my posse. Okay, if we're going to grow in toward God's people and community, then we will have to develop certain practices that ensure that growth. We've got to invest. So at Gateway, we encourage two life habits that help build community into our lives. First life habit is invest in community building. I'm restating what we've already said, but make this a life habit. And you got to make this specific. In other words, join a small group. Choose it. And if joining an official small group is a bridge too far for you, then let us help you find a posse that can support you spiritually and help you grow. Choose it. Even with your family, if you have one, you know, you know from experience. Even with your spouse, if you're married, you know from experience. You have to remember, you have to invest. You have to remember special days. You have, to, you have to work on communication. If you expect it to just happen, you're not nine years old anymore. It won't just happen. Invest 
in building community. Uh, I I don't have it. Well, take the next step. I don't know what it is for you. Take the next step. Second life habit. Nourish others out of personal wholeness. That kind of has two sides to it. Nourish others out of personal wholeness. Here's what I mean. It's about other people. It's about us offering ourselves to others. It's, a, it's about us nourishing others. Remember the math? But it's about us moving toward others as healthily as possible. You know, hurt people hurt people. So we want to be the kind of people who help, not the kind of people who hurt Obviously, community can be very difficult. I've heard it compared to a group of porcupines huddling together on a cold night. And we want to be the kind of people whose quills don't spring up at the slightest disturbance. Oh, you said something to my child. Decide this year to take steps toward greater health. And, And do so with the idea of nourishing others. For some of us, that that'll mean counseling. For others of us, that that means finding time and space to regularly stay clean emotionally. All right, why am I so mad? Why am I I so worried right now? Let me me do some work on that, you know, so that you're not angrier than you have a right to be. Or you're you're not more easily discouraged than you should be. Decide to take steps toward greater health. What investment in community building do you need to make this year? And what steps toward greater health do you need to take this year? And by the way, we all need to take them. Those of you who are thinking, you know, am I, am I, am I, have I got problems? Let me answer that for you. Yes, you do. So what, what steps are you going to take this year? I'm going to end with a quick note about church, if I can. Uh, when we say to be spiritually healthy, you've got to be growing in toward God's people and community. When I say that, I'm talking about church. I'm not talking about the organization of church. I'm not talking about Pastor Ed. I'm not talking about this building. I'm talking about the people of God. And that's what church is. Again, I don't mean the organization. Church isn't an organization. Church is you and your posse and the other people to whom your posse closely relates. That's it. And you and I can't do without it. We can't do without it. Now, having said that, I know that some of you, and I said in the 9 o'clock service, I looked at the camera and said, I know especially this is true for some of you at home. This may not be true for many of you here, but I know that some of you may struggle with this idea of church. Well, let, let, let me, if I can, let me share with you this morning from a fellow struggler. This is a book by a man named Philip Yancey, and he wrote a book, Church, Why Bother? And for the first part of his church, he does some pretty uh, eloquent and pretty thorough complaining about church. And it's incisive, and it's pretty accurate, and it's a little bit embarrassing for people like me who work for the church. And then, of course, he turns the corner and he begins to answer, why bother with all of that? And his his kind of first venture into that is this. What changed my attitude toward church, he asks. A skeptic might say I just lowered my expectations somewhere along the way. (laughs) Or perhaps I got used to church just as after numerous false starts I got used to the opera. Yet I sense something else at work. 
Church has filled in me a need that could not be met in any other way. St. John of the Cross wrote, quote, the virtuous soul that is alone is like the burning coal that is alone. It will grow colder rather than hotter, end quote. I believe he's right. Christianity is not purely intellectual. It's not a purely internal faith. It can only be lived in community. Perhaps for this reason, I've never entirely given up on church. At, at a deep level, I sense that church contains something I desperately need. Whenever I ban, abandon church for a time, I find that I am the one who suffers. My faith fades, and the crusty shell of lovelessness grows over me again. I grow colder rather than hotter, and so my journeys away from church have always circled back inside. Remember John Ritson, our world record-holding uh, slackliner, uh, the balance that, that Ritson was able to achieve, it took effort. It took practice. There were specific skills, specific muscle groups that had to be strengthened and improved in order for him to slackline. And still, he fell in the longest walk he ever attempted. And he was saved because he was tethered to the line above him. If I may, I believe that growing strong inward toward God's people, I believe that's a critical part of the balance that's required for us to stay on the line in walking. But I also believe that it's a part of the tethering mechanism that protects us when we fall. So what's next for you as you grow in toward God's people and community? What's next? Some of you have been circling around here for uh, three or four visits or maybe for the last four months. You've ventured in since COVID. Others of you were around even before COVID and, and you've come back. Uh, some of you have been here for a really long time. For every one of us, what's next? Is it join a group? Michelle Bowden is our small groups director. She will be delighted to talk to you if that, raise your hand, Michelle. Yes. She'll be delighted to talk to you if that's your next step. I'm not ready for one of these small groups. I don't even know what that is. But I do need a posse. Michelle Bowden, raise your hand. If we can help you, let us know. Michelle, raise your hand. I'm, I'm just being obnoxious. No, you're fine. <laughs> Or is it invest in some specific relationship? Or is it setting aside a night a week for friends with the idea of fun and some spiritual work? Or is it read a great book on worry? Or uh, read a great book on anger? Or something else? Or is it working on your overall emotional health? Figuring out how to ask the right questions, dive in the right places. I got a book recommendation for you if you'd like some work on that. Uh, I want to encourage you to think and pray and plan around this area of growth and make it specific. What's next for you? Let's pray. Lord, these, uh, these are just words unless you inhabit them. This is, um, this is just stuff and information unless you move. And so we ask you to move and we give you permission break open our chests and massage this in and speak to us about those specific areas that you would have us to address and 
Give us some strategies, some ways of stepping forward, of moving forward in toward God's people in community. You, 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 ver- you, you compel us, you tell us constantly about it through example and direct teaching. Our Lord told us over and over again. And it's for our own good. So draw us in. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.